Welcome to the Known Legacy Podcast, by Dads for Dads, coming at you from the Lone Star State Cigar Shop in Allen, Texas. For more info, go to www.knownlegacy.org or look for us on social media under Known Legacy. Now here's your host, Bill and Travis. So, on this road trip, right, I decided to uh, go into the deep tracks of Travis's past, all right? And there's an album that I haven't listened to in a few years, and I decided, oh, I'll listen to it. And it's Weezer. And, uh, Which one? Uh, the Blue Album. Right? Okay. And loved it, loved it. So then I started going down the rabbit trail of music, and I landed on Ben Folds 5. He's okay. so talented. Dude, I love the fact that he's able to play the piano the way he does. Yeah. The, like, Brick is one of my favorite songs of all time because he, he deals with like this hard subject of, I'm assuming, abortion, um, just from the song. He doesn't say it, but just like the reality of like, we thought we took care of it. We thought everything was going to be fine. And at the end of the day, they're still broken and they're still more alone now than they were before. And the dad finally comes in and says, okay, stop playing the game. What's going on? You know, it's just a beautiful song. Anyways, that's not the one that I was thinking of. The one I was thinking of was um, uh, the breakup song. Okay. And how he just, uh, you could tell this, this song came from like reality because it's this amazing song of just like, um, like, <laughs> he just breaks up. This girl broke up with him, and he is just so mad and so angry, and and just the the, you know, you know, give me back my black shirt, you know. And he just wants to get even with her because there's so much pain that he has in his life because of this moment, and she seems to not have the pain, and he just like you know calls her a, a you know a bad word, a bad word, you know, itch, and uh, just. I, I love it. it and, and for me, it resonates like all of those moments in my life when uh, I've been hurt. And my first reaction was revenge. I just want to get revenge. I just want them to hurt the way that I hurt. Yeah. And what's amazing is as I went down that rabbit trail, I realized there's still people I'm holding that on to. And it's been 10, 15, 20 years. And I'm like, yeah, what, what am I doing? Like, they don't even know, like, I don't even know, I even crossed their mind anymore. And I'm still like, oh, I can't believe she dumped me. Not only did she dump me, but that Friday night she was going out with another guy. Arr, give me back my black shirt. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, um, I don't know what the trigger is for you, but for me it was listening to Bed Folds 5 and, and uh, yeah, anyways. I think that they creep in a lot and the enemy does a lot of things, whether it's, a car that drives by and it was someone from your past that had that car or a shirt, like you said, or a song. But there's always something because, again, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to use anything he can consistently to try and destroy us and continue to build walls back up where we've started to break down those walls of forgiveness. And hopefully, in the last week, you listened to the podcast that talked about accepting forgiveness from the Father because we really we cannot cast forgiveness on someone else if we haven't accepted that forgiveness from the Father. Right. For us to be empowered to be able to forgive has to take a supernatural entity to change us. In fact, I would say, if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, you got to listen to that before we go into this conversation. Yeah, I think it's pretty crucial. You know, so. And while you're at it, listen to the other nine or ten, twelve, whatever. By the way, can I just, um, yeah, yeah, just listen. Just listen. And if you like it, share it. Because we, we like doing this stuff. It's been fun. And if you don't like it, well, then forgive us. <laughs> then I'm going to play Song of the Dumped. 
and uh, song of the dumped. <laughs> and just awesome. move on, okay? So last week we talked about forgiveness. We talked about how we had to accept that forgiveness to move on and be able to actually forgive those around us. And there is a deeper connotation in this as a parent that that'll, that we'll talk about at the very end to tie into why we need to seek forgiveness for the sake of our kids uh, later on. But we were talking about being empowered by, by the Spirit. Well, part of that is running to the truth of who God is, of what He says in His Word about forgiveness that's been cast onto us, that's been handed down from Him to us. Right. You know, uh, the idea of us being able to, to stop and seek that forgiveness. And um, I was reading in Ephesians 4, and if you go to Ephesians 4, verse 31, it says, uh, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So the power has to come from God first for us to be able to forgive. Well, but they did this to me. Now, I understand that there are some deep things that that have happened, but let's walk through the cross really quick. If you go in in, in the, the end of Luke, I believe it's Luke 23. I'm trying to remember if that's what it is. Uh, forgive me if it's not. <laughs> but if you look at the crucifixion story and you begin to read that story and put, put real flesh on that, here was a guy who was brought from court to court. You know, they, they like to call it a kangaroo court because it was just, he jumped around, but was, when, when I mean jumped around, he was brought from court to court. And there was, all these accusations came up false. But people just wanted him to die. So he was wrongfully accused. I bet you we can all have a story in our life where we were wrongfully accused of something in the idea of, no, 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 that, that wasn't me. That was somebody else. Whether it was the lamp that your brother, bro- your brother broke. You know, I heard this story last week of um, this, one, this one pastor who had a, uh, his wife had bought this like mauve couch. It was mauve, 70s, mauve 70s early, early 80s. It was, it was pink. But in the story, he calls it mauve because it cost so much that it couldn't be afforded. It, it was too expensive to call it pink. Right, so right, it was right. a mauve couch. And the one rule in the house was nobody touch this couch. Nobody eat by this couch. Nobody sit on this couch. Nobody do anything on this couch. And then one day, the jelly stain showed up. So here's mom, enraged, rightly so enraged that the jelly stain was on the couch. So she lined up the kids, you know, six-month-old, year and a half, and like four. And she said, we are going to sit here until somebody confesses that they put jelly on this couch. So the dad's writing the story and talking about it and how the kids are lined up. And let's be honest, those kids were not going to confess anything about this. And, uh, and, and she goes through the because story. Because they knew. The only thing that mom had in her heart right now was rage. Was rage. <laughs> was rage. And you knew that whatever whipping you were going to get was 10 times worse because mom was ticked. So I would, So they sat there for all this time. And then finally the oldest one stands up and says, Mom, I confess, she did it. <laughs> Lo and behold, she didn't do it. And you find out at the end of the story that the dad actually dropped the jelly on there, but never confessed Hilarious. the stain. But, but, but let's not miss the fact that often we're the kids, and we feel like God is that angry mom who is just waiting to bring the wrath down on us as soon as we confess. And that's the complete opposite of the God we see and read about in Scripture. Absolutely. He's not ready to bring, you know, like, uh, yeah, I dropped the jelly. You know, don't hurt me, God. And God's like, I'm not going to hurt you. I just wanted you to confess because... I didn't need to hear it. You 
needed to confess. And that's, I think, the, the, the secret gift of confession is that it's not for God. It's for us. When we finally have that opportunity yeah. to say, man, I blew it here. God's like, I knew that. I knew that was going to happen before the creation of time. He, he knew when, when Adam ate the fruit and he came down and said, hey, where are you guys? Like he kind of, hey, why are you guys hiding? Well, he already knew why they were hiding. This, the world had obviously, you know, been encumbered by sin that, at, that, at that moment. Sin entered the earth. God didn't not know. He didn't like wake up and go, what happened? Well, I didn't Wait see, a minute. I didn't see that coming. That's yeah. crazy. What just happened? But in his grace, he came down and he sought, and he sought them out so that they would have for, forgiveness. And, uh, and so you, you, you see this picture of God's grace in there. And the same thing for us. Forgive one another as God and Christ forgave you. Golly. Like the woman, just like we talked about in the last one, the woman who's sitting on the ground covered in dirt, probably naked because when you get pulled up from an adulterous affair, they weren't like, hey, we'll let you get changed. Yeah. You know, I think we talked about that before. And his, his response is, where are your accusers? And she's like, I don't have any. He goes, basically said, don't do it again. So we want to walk with the don't do it again part right now. Right. Because only in Christ, only in the power of God can we walk from I did it to I'm not going to do this again and I need to seek forgiveness right. and move on. There wasn't this moment of her going, you know, do I forgive you? That happened instantly. He didn't say, well, when you say that you, that you want forgiveness, I'll give it to you. He had already cast it on her. She just had to simply accept it. So now it's ours to walk in that power to 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 cast forgiveness on those who have quote unquote wronged us. So you walk in that. So you see this idea. Let's just get fleshly for a second. Jesus was accused, just like I said, in all these courts, he was accused of, of things that he didn't do. He kept his mouth quiet, just like this, like the scripture says, like a sheep to the shearer. He is, he, he stayed quiet and he allowed this to happen to him. It was thrown on him wrongfully. He was whipped with a cat of nine tails. That's like bone and rocks and like dug into his skin and ripped out. He was, he was wounded physically. He was then nailed to a cross. And then there was a point when the father had to turn his back because the sins of the world are cast. And that's when he said, why have you forsaken me? Right. And then he still said, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So in my life, I'm going to throw this on me. So far, I've not been beaten with a cat of nine tails. I've not been hung on a cross. Right. I've not had to sit there as my family weeps over the dying me and other people are laughing at me. So I'm, I'm still in a good state to be able to, to cast forgiveness on people. Right, right. But now I also don't want to just, just lighten this. I know there's a lot of people who have dealt with physical and emotional abuse. So we're not sitting here going, just get over it. That's not what we're saying. No, 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 no. We're saying this is a Jesus power time. Like this is a time when you have to lay this at the feet of the Father all the time. Right. Because there's a lot of times in my life when I would seek forgiveness and then all of a sudden I would walk away from that altar that I physically felt like I was, you know, kind of uh, laying something on. I'm laying this on the altar. And then I would turn around and I'd realize, oh, it's still in my hands and I have to do it again. And there were days that minute by minute I had to lay that on the altar. Right. And then hour by hour and then week by week and month by month, finally uh, allowing myself to go, wow, you really are enough to take this away. To be so sometimes it's gonna be minute by minute to to have this because it's so real, it's so fresh, and it's so in your face. You're like, I've got to keep giving this to God. It's not a one-time event, it's a consistent right. event. Absolutely, absolutely. So with this forgiveness, 
we need to realize that we've been empowered to be to to cast forgiveness on those coming out after us. Not only empowered, but I think the expectation is. Because when we, let's not miss the fact that when we hold on to, um, when, we, when we refuse to forgive for whatever reason, whether it be we, we've bought into the lie that time has just gone by, it's water under the bridge, it's no big deal, and we buy into that lie that the poison is no longer in us and we, 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 we think we're through it, um, often it's just under the skin and it's going to show itself in some really ugly ways. And so when God says, I want you to forgive the way that I forgave you, it's this invitation saying, I know what lack of forgiveness does to the heart of man. And that's not what I created you for. You have, I, I've forgiven you so that you can be an agent of forgiveness, an agent of reconciliation, someone who can go into others' lives that may be feeling guilt, who may be feeling shame, who may be feeling regret, and you have a chance to speak into them saying, I don't hold this against you anymore. And that's the key. Like, forgiveness is not just saying, um, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to forget this and we're just going to move on, you know. And I think that's yeah. one of the lies. Like, like, we have these code words in our culture that kind of hint at forgiveness. And, uh, you know, so with my kids, um, they'll do something or I'll do something to them. And I was like, hey, I'm sorry about that. And they're like, the response is, no big deal. No big deal. That's our code word for I forgive you. The problem is, it is a big deal. So we're lying. And the second one is, we don't need to hear no big deal. What we need to hear is, you're forgiven. And, yeah. and when we declare you're forgiven, what that means is, I am no longer going to ever use this against you or let this toxic be a part of our relationship. Now, that doesn't mean you go back to the way things were. Let's be honest. Sometimes the, the hurt, the schism, the, the, the pain in that relationship is so great that you have a new defined relationship. And it's different than what it was. And that's okay. The goal is that God says, no longer allow this poison to be in your heart or their heart. And as much as it's up to you, seek reconciliation and forgive them so that you can move on from this moment and have a different relationship. Not a better relationship necessarily, but a different relationship where it's no longer in that toxic place. You know, it's funny you said poison because I remember there, we were saying this before that, but forgiveness really means finally putting down that bottle of poison you've been sipping on. Right. Because what we do is, is with, for, with, with unforgiveness is we're like, we keep taking a sip of poison hoping that the other person's going to die. Because, again, we want them to hurt like we were hurt by yeah. this moment. Yeah. And so we think if I hold on to this, this you know, anger, if I hold on to this hurt, if I hold on to this betrayal, that somehow they're getting hurt. That's not the way this works. The way this works is the longer you hold on to it, the more you're sipping from that poison. Yeah. And I think that's where we want to try and get to is, is helping us understand our role in the midst of forgiveness. And 2 Corinthians talks about this. If you get a chance to read through 2 Corinthians, see, I don't just like reading one verse. It's a lot. It's context. It's knowing what you're reading in context. So if you get a chance, read 2 Corinthians 5, 11 to verse 21. But I'm going to start in verse 16. because I think this is where it really hits us from now. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That's a big 
That's a big gift that God gave us. And that's a big empowerment that God gave us. Right. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he, was made, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the bigger picture is God has given us the ministry of rescue. Not to be the rescuer, but to allow that rescue to happen. It's kind of like... Um, it's the ambassador language that you just read. Yes, yes. You, you're not the president. You're the ambassador to the president. So you speak on behalf of the president, but ultimately the decision and the action belongs to the president. That's what an ambassador is in our world today. Yes, yes. And we're the same thing. I'm not the one that forgives, but when I proclaim forgiveness, the one who is the one who's able to forgive actually is there. He's like speaking through us. In yes. this amazing moment, he's speaking through us and saying, you're hearing it from Travis's voice, but I want you to hear it from the heart of the Father. You're forgiven. Yes. That's the only way that we can forgive is through his power. Right. So for those who have, you know, and I, I'm getting kind of raw here, th those who have been abused physically or mentally or emotionally, you, you can receive forgiveness. I mean, you, you can cast forgiveness on these people. It's not easy. No. You know, I had a talk with someone who's, who, who, was, who was abused as a child, and they eventually found themselves in a point where, where that power to forgive was in them. And when they forgave that, it's like they said the freedom that they felt for the, the fall off their shoulders to go, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to let go of this. Now, is there still hurt? Are there still scars? Yes. But those scars have a different meaning now. Those scars have a meaning of empowerment through the, through the father. That scar no longer says that person hurt me. That was the opportunity that I was able to, to now allow God to work and forgive through. And, and I he see heals. God's power. And he heals. Yes. You, you were sharing a story a few weeks ago with me off, offline. And we were talking about how, um, you know, World War II is kind of this defining moment still for our, our culture and, and just the horrific things that happened there. And there was a doctor. He was an evil man. And he did all of this research on twins. So what he would do is he'd go through the countryside, particularly Jewish twins, and he'd gather them together at a young age. And he would do experiments on these twins. And the twins would be like one would be the control and one would go through the experiment. And, and, and you share the story about how this young girl, um, her and her sister were captured by the, the Nazis and um, tortured for years, tortured, right? And she still to this day has scars. And she still to this day has remnant of those moments. And the torture was so intense that it actually killed her twin sister. Now, yes. I don't know about you, but if someone killed my sister or my brother or my own kid, the, the anger inside of me, I don't know how I could get by that. But you shared the story that she finally eventually got to the point where she had to forgive the doctor that did that to her and her sister because she was, she was locked into that moment. She could not progress beyond that moment until she was able to forgive. And I don't know how. Well, I do know how. By the, by the work of the Spirit and, and by God giving her those moments of being able to sit down and say, I forgive him. I forgive him. I, I don't know. And, you know, I, I watched this video, um, and it was, a, it was a Holocaust survivor, and her name was Eva Moses Kaur, and she made a video yeah, entitled— that's who it was. That's entitled, who it is. Yeah, the, Eva Morris Kaur. Eva Moses, Moses. Moses Kaur. And uh, she did the power to live and forgive. Joseph Mengel was the one. He was a Nazi doctor. For carry, he carried out medical experiments— on her and her twin sister at Auschwitz. And Golly. she and she was able to forgive. And I'm going, wow. Like, 
to, to take that power. Now let's take the power of Christ in that, beyond that, to go, wow, like we have been empowered as children of God, as ambassadors, to be able to share that kind of empowerment with those who have forgiven, you know, for, for those who have, who have, um, we have been given that power through Christ to cast that kind of forgiveness on those who have hurt us. Right. And so we, we have now have an opportunity uh, to either be ministers of condemnation or ministers of reconciliation. So it's up to you. It's up to you out there. Unpack those a little bit. Yeah. What do you think it looks like to be a minister of condemnation versus a minister of reconciliation? I think it's pretty simple. Just don't forgive. Because we're not freeing us and we're not freeing that person of the, of the power to, to live in that forgiveness. To say, I'm going to accept that forgiveness. I'm going to be able to cast that forgiveness on somebody else. Now, this is not easy stuff. Right. This is difficult. But for us to be free of that burden, for us to stop sipping that poison, we need to allow ourselves to cast forgiveness on those who have hurt us. So, this, this real practical moment. Some of the guys listen to this, and I'd say probably a majority of them, have gone through a divorce. It's a reality of our culture. Yep. No judgment on that. No. Times get tough. I get it. But often those divorces get really nasty. Extremely ugly. Things are shared. Accusations are made. And it can get nasty. The challenge is, while you may be holding a grudge, and it may be a righteous grudge. It may be one that says, my wife absolutely was a lie, lied, slandered me, whatever. But the longer you hold on to that, realize you are unintentionally, the shrapnel of that moment is destroying your kids and their ability to view their mom. And I think that's one of the unintended consequences when we are, are a, a minister of condemnation is the shrapnel of that affects others and how they view that person. And that's not what we're called to do. Now, mm. I'm not saying you just pretend like nothing happened. Yeah. That's not forgiveness. I think it's the idea that eventually at some point in your heart... You've got to figure out how to forgive your wife and to be able to move on because the relationship your kids have with you and the relationship your kids have with your, your ex-wife are important to them in the long run. Yeah. And the sooner that you guys can figure out how to coexist and to forgive the hurts of the past and to no longer use that against each other, because you're not just using it against each other. You're influencing your kids, and you're teaching them how to use it against each other. Yeah. But to actually bring forth a, a spirit of reconciliation, a spirit of forgiveness. to And maybe that's having a coffee. Maybe that's having a conversation saying, you know what? We've done horrible things to each other. I am sorry, and I forgive you. And we need to figure out how to make this work so that our kids know what forgiveness looks like, tastes like, feels like. And, 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 and experience it so that they may know that moving forward. You know, that'll make your grandchildren's graduation ceremonies a lot better. Oh, my gosh. That'll make all those times when, you're, when your children have babies and you can be in the same room and celebrate your children help, having a part of the, the life that they created and there's no bitterness. Right. And you can walk in that and maybe someday you can have Thanksgiving together. Right. And not, not be bitter. Right. Not be bitter anymore. So there, there is so much value in this that you don't even see at this point to go, I'm just going to show them how, how evil they are because they hurt me. And I understand that. I, I'm walking well, with a couple guys like that. Yeah. And, and not only that, you have a community of people when you're going through that that are almost screaming at you, be selfish. 
You have lawyers yeah. that are talking about protect look out for yourself, yourself. Yeah. protect yourself, look out for yourself, try and get all you can from the situation. Try to, you know, and, and so they're screaming at you, be selfish, be selfish, be selfish. And it's not coming from a place of evil. They genuinely love you and care for you. But you have this whisper from God that's saying, you can still be a servant here. Yeah. I know it hurts. I know the betrayal is brutal. I know the motions of, of this moment. You can still be a servant. And I, and I think one of the things that I've noticed in my life is, is some couples divorce well, and some couples divorce poison. Mm. And the ones that divorce well understand that I still have a calling to serve my ex-wife. And, and the beauty is when the ex-wife is in the same spot saying, I still have a calling to serve my ex-husband. And, and it's only when we have a servant posture that I think we can really start to, to walk into those moments of forgiveness, yeah. those moments of saying, I forgive you. Yeah. You know, I, 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 things did not work out as I planned. My dreams did not come true. I forgive you. It's important to realize that we forgive in front of our kids to teach them how to forgive right. in the future. Right. We become the prime example of what forgiveness looks like in them. As we're, as we're their leaders. Guys, we're the leaders in our families, regardless if it's single parent, moms. We have an opportunity to, to raise up the leaders, the future leaders of our kids by being that example to learn how to forgive. If, if you're listening to this and you've, you've, you've got a spouse, an ex-spouse who is just casting continuous frustration and, and anger at you, you have an opportunity every day to seek that forgiveness. Now, not to be a doormat. Right. Not talking about being right. a doormat. There's a difference, but then going, I'm going to let this go in the power of Christ because he forgave me. Is that easy? Absolutely not. I'm not sitting there going, here's no. the 10-step program. This is something you've got to wrestle with, but you are valuable enough as a minister of reconciliation for God to do something in you because people are watching. People are watching you. And they need your example to be that, that example of forgiveness to them so they can learn how to be an example of forgiveness to somebody else. You know, and even thinking about this twistiness a little bit, I was talking to, uh, to someone a couple days ago who feels like they're kind of being picked on, pulled out by one individual. Ooh. And, uh, and, and I just cast this on him. I was having this conversation. I said, maybe, just maybe, that person that for no reason, because this person didn't do anything for this person to be a jerk at them. Well, I also believe that that person who's being the jerk didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm just going to be a jerk today. There's always something. Yes. Um, I said, maybe it's they see your family and they're jealous of what you have. Maybe it's they see the life that you live and the happiness that you have and they just don't have it so they don't know how else to, to articulate how they feel other than being angry at you. Right. And been bullying you. Right. And so it's you looking from another perspective to go, I bet you it's they see me as a threat because things are good right now and they're not good at their house. And so we need to kind of turn the turn the tide a little bit and go, wow, maybe it's because and even me, may, there's times in my perspective that I've been jealous of somebody and angry at them for no reason that they've done. Oh, yeah. And I'm going, wow, God, I'm a jerk. I need to change my attitude. And move on and go, I need to cast that forgiveness on them. Even though they don't actually need it, I need to cast forgiveness on them. So Paul's writing to the early church, and he's kind of giving instructions on like, hey, this is, this is the community that God has designed us for and God desires for us. This doesn't mean we hit it out of the park. This doesn't mean that um, we nail this all the time. But this is the very thing that, that spirit is growing within us, the fruit 
that he's trying to cultivate in us and in our lives. And I want you to hear this. It's from Colossians 3. He says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, don't miss that. You're, you're not a part of God's family by accident. He chose you. Yeah. He chose you. He wants you on his team. He says this, Holy and dearly loved. Man, to go to bed every night knowing that because of Christ I'm holy and I'm not just loved, I'm dearly loved. Like, yeah. like I'm passionately, you know, favorite stuffed animal kind of loved by Again, God. it's, it's the, uh, <laughs> that's my kid. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's my kid. It's my kid. He says this, then clothe yourself. So this is the stuff we need to be putting on on a regular basis. Clothe yourself with compassion. I think the key to compassion is what you're talking about, empathy. It's the ability to see the, the situation from someone else's perspective. And that's so hard. It's not embraced with our culture because our culture is reactionary. And reactionary is only being able to see things from your perspective. But compassion says, no, 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 pause. I need to understand where they're coming from. You know the old adage, walk a mile in someone's shoes, you know. But you need to understand what that is. And when you start to understand what they're going through and where they're coming from, compassion is there. Yeah. So this is what we're supposed to have. Clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so when they come at me with a fist or when they hit me somehow, what does Christ say? Hit them back twice as hard? No, he says what? Give them the other cheek. Give them the other cheek. I'm being honest. I struggle with that oh, one. Oh, oh, everyone struggles with that. Yeah. And yet, that's the very thing that the Spirit is bringing forth in us. Yeah. Be kind to each other. And he continues on. Be humble, meaning be actually aware of you and your own part in this dance. You are not above reproach. You know, whatever situation you got yourselves into, chances are both of you had something to contribute to that. Humility is the ability to sit down and say, I contributed to this dysfunction. Yeah. I've contributed to this toxicity. Yeah, we're, not, we're not innocent in right. these generally. So humbleness, gentleness... Mm, and patience. Patience. It took a long time to have this broken relationship come about. It's going to take a long time for forgiveness to be proclaimed and healing to take place. Be patient. It's not going like, to happen in a week. Be patient. It's like when I ate a bunch of pizza and I'm like, I want to lose weight in a week and it ain't <laughs> happening. It's amazing how fast you can gain the weight and oh how hard gosh. it is to take yeah, it off. Absolutely. So be patient. And then, I love this, in verse 13, he says this, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I love that bearing with each other. And I think the image for me that, that comes through is, is you're not standing at a distance saying, Hey, I forgive you. Now go make it work. Bearing with each other is that image that you get in, in the military where they're hurt, and you may be hurt, but you come alongside them, and you take part of the weight of what they're experiencing off of them, and you take it on yourself yeah. to get to the next step. And that's the heart of what Christ is saying here. When you're living with each other, you're going to step on each other's toes. You're going to hurt each other. Learn how to carry each other. And part of that carrying each other is saying, I forgive you. This sucks. It's going to be hard for us to learn how to do life with our kids from a divorce situation. Yeah. But we need to learn how to forgive each other so we can lift each other up and do this as best as we possibly can. A lot of our wounds come from the father. How do you mean? 
So heavenly father, physical, physical father, father. like, like your, your earthly father. Yeah. When you, and when you start to have conversations with people, I know that a lot of times that I've had counseling kind of talks with people, um, I'm finding that a lot of them were wounded by their dad. Now, sometimes it's the silence from the father, right? Sometimes it's a physical act of you didn't get an A. Sometimes it's you should have thrown the ball better, whatever it is. We've been wounded by our dads, and so there's this time that we then hold this bitterness. Now, I know some of you guys, your dad might be dead right now. And this is a time for you that you may, and this is healing for you, that you may need to go to that grave right, and speak forgiveness over that and leave it there. Yeah. Because God didn't let his son die on the cross so that you could hold that bitterness to your grave. Dude, I, I, so um, I'm a coach on, on my son's baseball team. And there's this kid, man, uh, who just tries so hard, man. He's, he's finally learning how to throw. He swings the bat a little bit better than he did a few years ago. And uh, it's second to last game of the season. I think he's gotten one, maybe two hits all year long. It has been a brutal ride. And he just is so hard on himself. He finally gets a hit. He runs to first. He's on first base. It's great. He steals second. But he's not really running. You know, he's kind of jogging to second because they can still do that. And all of a sudden from the, the, the stands, I hear his dad yelling at him, just run. When I tell you to run, run. So you see the kid kind of spark up. Well, now he steals third, and he's running. He's able to steal home. He scores. First time he scored all year. He not only got his third hit of the season, he actually scored. That's cool. He came into the dugout just smiling. He was so happy, and I gave him a big hug. And I was like, dude, you did it, yeah. You know. And, and next thing you know, he's sitting next to me just like smiling. Dad comes over to the dugout in the, between the fence, and he says, boy, when I tell you to run, you better run. And Dad walks away. Within a microsecond, that son went from the highlight of his, his week scoring in the baseball game to tears rolling down his face and saying, why is my dad so critical? He's always so critical. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him. I said, man, he's just trying to love you, and he doesn't know how to love you any other way. Yeah. Now, fast forward to the end of the game. We won the game barely. The kids are all doing their powwow. You know, the coach is about to talk. And uh, this little kid now, he's, he's, he's doing the critical thing to our pitcher who hit two kids. And all of a sudden, he's standing there and goes, how, who pitches like that? Who pitches with their arm in this location? And he's just railing on the pitcher, just critical and destroying this kid. And I pull him aside and say, hey, buddy, you got to be an encourager here. It can't be critical like that. you got to be an encourager to your teammate. And it was like this moment where I'm realizing the legacy of this dad destroying the son is going to be the son destroying the next son. And it just tore me up. And I know this kid eventually at some point in his life is going to have a gut check moment where he goes, either I'm going to be a minister of condemnation or I'm going to become a minister of reconciliation. And if he never takes that moment to make that switch, his legacy will be the legacy that his dad gave him. And his dad, I guarantee, has no idea. He's not doing it maliciously. But he has no idea yeah. this is the legacy he's giving his son. And I think that's what you're talking about, yeah. is there's a um, legacy that's been given to us by our, our earthly fathers that they don't even realize that they gave it to us, whether through being absent, through being critical, being a hard ass, whatever it is. 
and we now have this choice as dads or as young adults or men and saying, okay, what legacy am I going to have? What legacy am I going to live? And I'm going to just perpetuate what was given to me or am I going to take the legacy of my heavenly father and start to perpetuate that in the lives that are around me? Because when we learn to forgive, we actually teach our grandchildren how to forgive. Absolutely. It speaks on it. Let me finish with this. Um, Jesus' disciples are, you know, were asking, hey, how do we pray? So he's like, let me give you a general idea of what it is to pray. Now, the Lord's Prayer is not just a verbatim prayer. He's like, in uh, Matthew 6, you can read this, verse 9 to 13, he says, he's, Jesus is now saying, pray, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. No, he doesn't say Father. He says Abba. Yes, And the yes. Abba translation is dad. Daddy. Or so pops. Daddy. Like, yeah. like <laughs> it's my kid. <laughs> you're, you're, you're my dad. Yeah. In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It was so important that the model prayer had a constant idea of forgiving. That's how important forgiveness is in our world. And if we begin to do this, dads, to cast forgiveness, it doesn't just change us. It changes the whole world around us. Absolutely. And if you're struggling with it, let me tell you something. There's no greater gift than getting a brotherhood of guys around you that understand or are also wrestling with reconciliation and forgiveness and inviting them into that moment. If you're struggling with forgiving your wife, or your ex-wife, or your girlfriend, or whoever it is that hurt you. Maybe it's your boss that overlooked you, whatever it is. If you're having a problem forgiving them, don't try and go it alone. Find a brotherhood. Find someone and says, I have to forgive them because Christ has forgiven me, and I need your help to make that happen. You guys, it's a lifelong journey. Sometimes we hit it out of the park. More often than not, we get thrown out at first. The reality is God loves us, he's running to us, and he is the author and perfecter of our faith, and he has forgiven us. And so now we have the opportunity, the invitation to forgive others. God bless you guys. Love you guys. Be ministers of reconciliation. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to By Dads, For Dads on the Known Legacy podcast. Look for us on social media under Known Legacy or go to www.knownlegacy.org to stay connected. For booking or questions, email us at info at knownlegacy.org.